Welcome to Church's Changing Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Estock, and today we get to explore some really funky, spirit-led things happening in Warsaw, Indiana with Pastor Carolyn Kearns. She's passionate. She's innovative. She is serving a two-point charge and watch out, world. Here we come. You're not going to want to miss this conversation. Welcome, Carolyn. How are you today? Oh, Beth, good to be here, and I'm doing really well. It's a beautiful day, sunshine, and about 75 degrees. Perfect. Wonderful. Well, tell me or tell us a little bit about your ministry appointment, where it is so we can locate it contextually, how long you've been serving there, that kind of stuff. Sure. My first charge there is at Pleasant Grove United Methodist Church, so it is in Warsaw, And uh, we live in the Parsonage right next to that. Matter of fact, this is the first time my husband and I have ever lived in a Parsonage, always owned our own home. The second church that I serve at is in Pearson. So that's about eight minute drive, Pearson, Indiana. So I have both of those two point charges and I'm starting my fifth year. Okay. So tell... Give us a little bit of background of your ministry pedigree before you took on this two-point charge and lived in a parsonage for the first time. Oh, sure. So I actually began my ministry when a gentleman by the name of Dick Linden asked me to come on board at a good-sized church, a church of about 350 to 400 in Goshen. And would I take on doing a phone bank for starting a new satellite church? And so a phone ministry, what I'd make 40,000 phone calls in this particular town in a one month time frame to start this new second site. And that was at a time that second sites really didn't happen. So actually they brought me on board. He became my mentor. I went into ministry specifically at that particular time, started there, started licensed to preach school, helped build a second site became an associate pastor there. That church grew to about a thousand members. I was there for a number of years and then ended up being appointed at Mishawaka First, which was a church of about 350. So I've been in larger churches for the majority of my serving the conference until about four years ago, going on five years ago. Okay. So tell us about what what your context is now what what how many church members do you have now what's your average worship attendance oh good good question and if you're talking about in house as an in church or you're also talking about all those facebook engagements because that's a both well yeah let's talk about when you first got there what did you discover okay well when i first got here to warsaw i actually was at warsaw pleasant grove and Packerton. So didn't have Pearson in that particular time. So here at Pleasant Grove, it was a church of about, I want to say 30 to 35 in attendance in-house. Packerton was a church of about 12 to 15 in-house. And so uh, one of the first things that we did shortly after that was to start Facebook type of uh, videoing and, and increasing that as well. And of course, COVID happened in there. So lots of things changed. And within two years, then I also became the pastor at Pearson and not at Packerton. So that changed changed up a bit. But very small churches, very rural churches, uh, a lot of people who farm 
out and around me. I lived in kind of nowhere man's land, like out, I can look around and all I see is no houses, but you know, just the church and fields. Very different for me. Very, very different. Tell us a little bit about the Pearson Church, what you, what you found there and what's happening there right now. All right. So Pearson Church, when I came, uh, was a church that on a Sunday morning, we had anywhere between six and 11 people. It was a dying church. It was a church of those who attended uh, were in their 80s and 90s. We had a couple in their 70s. So a very aging church, a downtown building that needed a lot of renovation, issues with the roof, with the HVAC, cracking walls, uh, ceilings, all that kind of thing. And when I began there at Pearson, one of the things I really felt was the Holy Spirit asking me to walk and do prayer walks in the town of Pearson. I actually started that before I even went to Pearson, not knowing why, just walking up and down the streets. And I really, in just in my heart, felt like there was a new way of doing ministry, of drawing people into community that would not walk into a downtown-looking institutional church. So I started trying to put together a plan of what that could look like by listening to the needs in the community for about a year and a half. What were the needs? What were people struggling with? Why would they not go to church? Why did, you know, 70% of the people not go to church in Pearson? So it started with a whole lot of listening and a whole lot of reimagining what church could look like if it didn't happen in that building. Probably the first eight months that I was there, not one new person walked in the door. Not one. So you were worshiping with six to eight people. That's correct. And were those people interested in doing those prayer walks with you or discerning what the community needs were? Or was that kind of a something that you felt called to do on your own? It was something I felt called to do on my own. The existing congregation also felt like that was the job of the pastor and not their job. Mm. And so if a new pastor was coming, they should bring new lifeblood in. It wasn't really their job. Okay. <laughs> so so let's fast forward a little bit yeah. in this prayer walking and this talking with community, listening in for you know, where's the spirit moving here? What did you discover? Um, I discovered that there are a good number of people that I had met that really did have a heart for community. They just didn't know how to come together with other people who had a heart for community. They were caring. They knew there were needs. They didn't know how to meet the needs by themselves. About the time that I did all this prayer walking, I actually just walked into a particular storefront that was not open. I just felt like the spirit told me to go in. I met the the couple that were building this taproot brew house, as it was going to be called, and just went in and said, hey, I just have to tell you that I think the spirit led me in here. And this is what I dream of. I dream of a place where uh, someone can come into Pearson and it's kind of like cheers. You walk into a place and they go, oh, Carolyn, I'm so glad you're here. And, <laughs> and they just they they just want you to sit down and take a load off your feet and tell you what happened in the day, what's on your heart, what was spectacular about the day, what hurt your heart, what, you know, those kind of things. And I dreamed of living in a town that had a community like that. When something happened to someone, we cared about it. And we took care of the need and we, we helped move toward being inclusive and affirming and loving, even if we disagreed with someone, how someone lived or their political view or that kind of thing. 
And interesting, the owners of this taproot said, oh my gosh, that's what we want here. Mm. Will you join us here? And I'm like, yeah, I just don't know what that looks like yet. So I just spent a lot of time there. I helped them paint walls. I helped them envision what their building could look like, what would look like when people walked in the door, how do we want it to feel? And it just grew from there. And that's actually where we meet. Uh, Talk about the church has left the building. Last October, we quit meeting at the downtown structural building and began meeting for worship at 11 o'clock in this taproot brew house. So we meet there at 11 o'clock. We have anywhere from 10 to 20 people on a Sunday. And more than that, we have gathering spaces. This space is a gathering place for us on Mondays where maybe we have 10 to 20 people meet. They just discuss needs of the community and we pray together and talk about those needs. And so that's one gathering. And then we have other gatherings like cardio drumming on Monday and Wednesday, where we pray for each other and we talk about the needs of people there and what's happening in their life. And I realized that reimagining gathering spaces was very important, uh, finding people where they where they are, what they love, and starting from there. And uh, so we just started that reimagining. And we don't meet in that building anymore. We actually have it up for sale, and the auction uh, is taking place right now, and will end tomorrow. And we will have a not have that typical institutionalized space anymore. Okay, so this is really fascinating to me. Your church is being auctioned off. Tell us a little bit about that journey and how the members of the church kind of discerned this and went on this journey with you from the church building to the brew house and letting go of how old is that church building, by the way? A hundred plus years old. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So this is huge. Tell us about that. It is. You know, early on, just talking about the vision of what it means to meet needs and who we are and who we're called and created to be, we all have a purpose and didn't matter that they were in their 70s or 80s, that they still have a a purpose and God still had a plan for them. And maybe they could be the ones planting a seed with, they had sold a parsonage early on. And so they had a little bit of money in the bank. And when I came there, it was with the understanding that this may be their one shot, Mm. maybe their last shot, because they had very little money left from this cell of a parsonage. Didn't feel like they had much of a vision. And so this was kind of it. That's the way the conference portrayed this. And so I just came in with kind of the energy that God has given me that, you know, I thought there was far more that, that they could do and that, you know, we're standing on the shoulders of people who have been huge in the community and loved Jesus and wanted to share Jesus and God wasn't done with them yet. So I just started sharing this vision that I felt like the spirit had given me. And I uh, spent some time with my conference and a number of other pastors putting together this proposal of what would it look like if we reimagined gathering spaces to build community and to make disciples for Jesus Christ. And so I just threw out all these ideas that I had and said, this is kind of what I think how we could start and started preaching series about it and started trying to draw them along to to meet with other people in town and like-minded people and just talk about what were the possibilities? You know, let's get out of our box. Let's think of things a little bit differently. And while that's hard, where are people living and what are the needs and how can we look at those needs and say, hey, we can, with our gifts and graces, we can we can meet those. And so we just started thinking differently. And I think it sparked an excitement 
they weren't sure what it would mean to actually leave the building, but they knew that the building was crumbling down and they didn't have the means to, to put it back up. And that all of that money that was going out every month could go into a town uh, of people really wanting to be community and wanting to do things differently. And so I think it just started the mindset of church really is about the people and the community. It is not about the structure. Mm. And that if we really want to love on each other and help each other grow and be, um, let's put our money into people versus a structure that would need hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to really work. And, uh, you know, and nobody knew was coming in the building. Nobody knew was coming in the building. So we started with simple things like cardio drumming. One of the things I heard as I was listening was, uh, we need some exercise in this town. We, we really don't have anything. There's no yoga here. There's no anything. And I'm like, wow, I've always wanted to do cardio drumming. What if I do that? And so I got <laughs> online and got on Facebook and said, hey, I'm looking for a cardio drumming person. And a lady that I had befriended in downtown Pearson who had a store called Beyond the Barn said, I just started that. I have the woman for you. And I called her and she said, I have been praying about where I could join in in Warsaw or Pearson area with cardio drumming. Wow. And I went, that's a God thing. Yeah. So we started bringing people in, just gathering again in a space with people that were at a commonality of wanting to do this. And the people that came for worship went, oh my goodness, we've never had people like that in our church for the last 15, 20 years. And so we, that's how we started. Very, very simple things, gathering for coffee, gathering to have lunch, gathering to exercise, not the typical means of gathering to worship or gathering for disciple Bible study, which is very important, but gathering where people wanted to be and come. And so that, you know, that's how we started. So I started with this proposal. I put this proposal together. This is what I think it will look like. And I think it will look like down the road that we're going to have to get, we're going to have to sell this building if we really want to have the funds to immerse ourselves in the community. And so eventually the conference gave us the okay to do that, to sell the building. And so we went through a process of talking to realtors and auctioneers and honed in on this was probably what was going to be the best is doing an auction, which is not what our conference normally had been a part of, mm -hmm. but really felt like it was the best clear view of, of getting the most for our money and really getting the word out that we were doing something differently. And I do want to say that, you know, if based on what you've told me in the past, that, you know, a lot of times in an auction, there's a, there's a minimum bid. Yes. So that you're guaranteed something. Yes. But your church went total letting go. So tell us about how that came about. They sure did. In this whole process, I was working on building leadership. And I, you know, I didn't throw that in there from our, my Monday night. I, I have what I, we call the brew crew. We meet on Monday nights at five o'clock. It's another gathering space. And then uh, new people that are now coming in this taproot brew house. But I, started with building this leadership and in gathering all this information from realtors to auctioneers, I said, uh, okay, so shouldn't we have this reserve, this amount, you know, everybody's like, we got to have a reserve. We got to know we have some guaranteed money. It just has to be. And all the auctioneers said to us, you know, you have 60% more people looking at that space 
at that personal property if you don't? And, you know, what are you going to do if the reserve doesn't happen anyway? You've got to sell this building. Mm. I see you have stepped out in faith. I think you need to think about this. And so we just, you know, started that discernment process of, of praying about that. And the leadership went, you know what? Yeah, this has been a God thing all along the way. If indeed they feel like that is the best way for us to move forward, that's what we're going to do. We're going to just know that God will take care of us, that we're going to make the best decisions we can with the information that we have. And I think that's the best way to go. So the newly appointed trustee, a man who had not, he would maybe come to church once a month, maybe less than that, said, I'll put my name on that line. Wow. I believe in what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And so he did, because pastors don't put their name on that line, right? And so our trustees do. And he said, I I believe that's exactly what we need to do. And here we are. Tomorrow is the day we decide or we find out what that building is going to bring. And tell us where where the bid is right now. The bid is at $69,500 for the building itself at about $5,000 for the contents. And they tell me the last day will be the the biggest day where all those numbers come in. So they estimated sixty five to eighty five thousand. Right now, their guess is maybe a hundred thousand, and we're already past that sixty. So I just know it's going to be great. It's going to be perfect. The Holy Spirit's in this all the way, and we're moving forward, not looking back. So I just want to I just want to pause right here and name some things that I'm hearing from your story, just so people can can land someplace. Sure. One of the things that I see in your story is this deep listening, prayerful journey, listening to where is the energy? Where is the Holy Spirit moving? Oh, it sounds weird. I'm walking into this building and, oh, it's a brew house. And then just sharing what you're discerning, sharing your dream. And it's almost as if you're sharing your joy and then there's a a confirmation of that. And the same thing with with the drumming, the cardio drumming. This is something I have always wanted to do. I'm going to put it out there and test and see is is the holy spirit confirming this mm-hmm. and then listening for that energy coming back and knowing that's the way we are to go mm-hmm. same thing with this the cell of the church building it's that same kind of process so mm-hmm. am i on to something here would you elaborate on that a little bit more what are you thinking is this way forward for you how you've been journeying i think the listening one of the things that i tried to pay attention to is fresh expressions. You've probably heard about mm-hmm. that. And they, they do have that process of how we listen, where are people gathering and really trying to be in prayerful uh, discerning where God is already at work and how we can join him. And, and so I, you know, put all those things kind of into practice and, and just really looking into where is God, where are these doors opening up? looking at what we had put on paper of this reimagining and just seeing those doors continue to open as we were open our hearts, opening our minds, being willing to say, okay, okay, God, we are going to take our next step in faith, but we need you to, to take us and give us every step of the way. Mm-hmm. So the, I think the listening was so important to be in prayer at the same time we're listening to where people are 
and to really be willing to take those next steps and and see what happens. Does the door come wide open? Does it shut? What does it look like? So that that is exactly what we did. But the listening was super important, immersing ourselves where people found themselves and just uh, spending time listening, hearing, loving, affirming, and moving in those places that people said, we have a need, this is what we'd like. I think what was building trust, it was opening doors, mm-hmm. all vitally important. So Caroline, tell us what a typical day, I know it's probably atypical, but you know, what, what does a day look like in the life of your ministry? I'm sure it's very different than a traditional kind of concept of what a minister does and attends to. Well, sure. Well, today on Mondays and Wednesdays, when I get up, I do have my normal time, like many of you, for my prayer time. That's probably the same, my devotion time, my listening time. God, where do you want me to be? And what people do you want me to meet and take on those opportunities? I do not spend much time in my office at the church or my office here at home. Besides planning and putting together and researching for my message, the majority of my week is spent with people in town in the places that they find themselves. I spend probably a number of days a week, a number of hours a week at the Taproot Brew House. They have painting classes once a month on Sunday. I find myself there just so I can be in the midst of the people who gather to paint and find out who they are and why they're there and what their passion is, what their love is, what their day's like, what brought them joy, what what saddened them. Mm-hmm. I, Friday nights, often we find ourselves, my husband and I both there, we actually got our license for the state of Indiana to bartend. <laughs> While I don't bartend, my husband does, you do need that license to go behind the bar and clean and, and pick up dishes and wipe down the tables and be in those particular areas that the state of Indiana require you to have that license. So I know that doesn't sound like an Indiana pastor, but I do spend a good amount of time in the kitchen helping cook, cleaning those tables, sitting down with the people who walk in, finding out what their day is like, finding out what their love is, where they spend their time, what they love to eat, what they love to do. So I spend a good Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I'm probably there every day for a certain amount of hours in that day. Wow. So I spend a lot of time with the people who own the stores in the town of Pearson. I shop those stores. I listen to their stories. We have lunch together. We have breakfast together. We have cardio drumming together on Monday Mm -hmm. and Wednesday. So I spend a lot of time with people, a lot of time listening, a lot of time loving, a lot of time affirming, a lot of time just growing with them and dreaming, dreaming with them of what they feel like a community should look like. And Mm -hmm. so I spend a lot of time with people, not much time in any office or in meetings, but with people. So where do you do your cardio drumming? What space? We started our space uh, one night in in the basement of Pearson, Pearson United Methodist Church, and the other one in the basement of Pleasant Grove. That's the church that I live right beside. Because this last summer, knowing that we were going to do something with the building and the church did not have air conditioning in the 90 and 100 degree heat, Mm. and the heat that when you have 25, 30 people in a room brings... We moved everything to Pleasant Grove in the basement there that does have air conditioning. 
So what I love about my setting is that as I as people come in and as I meet people and there's someone that goes, you know what, I, I I love church and I like a church setting. I can say, I have a perfect place for you. It's Pleasant Grove at nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. And I have somebody else who says, I would never walk into a, a church because of X, Y, and Z, but I would come to the taproot. I have the perfect place for us to gather at this particular place. So I kind of have the best of both worlds, but all of our cardio drumming happens at Pleasant Grove, 630 in the evening. And what how many people normally show up? We can have our average is between 20 and 30 a night. We have about 125 on our rolls. And so I want you to think about that. That was one of the first things that we started uh, as a ministry in Pearson was uh, that cardio drumming where we at sometimes had 30 to 40 people in a room learning how to exercise when it came to worship on a Sunday morning, six to eight people. Wow. That many people came in their building. The other piece that I guess I I didn't talk about also is Pearson had a reputation for the last eight years of helping feed the town of Pearson, anybody who needed food, a meal the third Thursday of the month, every other month. But when I got there, it was down to one person that did that with the Catholic church and my other church. It helped expand that, and Taproot now does that. Last week, we served 225 meals out of the Taproot Brew House in an hour and a half time. Wow. So that's another ministry that we expanded. We had 20 people volunteer to be there to serve 225 meals. So think about 20 people when the church on a Sunday morning was lucky to have six to eight. Another 15 people were praying, making the food ahead of time, helping get the supplies, all those kinds of things. That's how many people came together to feed the town of Pearson. Just gathering differently, gathering spaces. It just sounds wonderful. So in this point of your journey, what has surprised you? What has surprised me? We do not need a building Mm. to build community. We need a space, a gathering place, but it does not need to look like the typical church building. People can gather with like-mindedness. They can gather talking about life and even faith without a typical building. We can grow community without the typical building. What else has surprised me? How stuck we get in our own boxes Mm. and how many opportunities there really are if we would just open our minds to what could be. Let go of the old stereotypes and really look at needs and the love of people versus the way we've done it before or how a box needs to be checked. I'd have to think about, I mean, there's so many learnings for me. I just want our listeners to know if you if you're okay with it to share what your age is. Sure. Two weeks ago, I turned sixty two. Mm-hmm. Sixty two, <laughs> and maybe part of my, I'm like, why God? Why this? It is so life giving. There has been another time in my life in ministry when I helped build a second site, and 580 people came the 
first day we opened those doors. Huge for me. But at 62, I think I feel the most filled up, filled up and alive, doing something differently with people than I ever have. And I'm like, I just, why didn't I have this opportunity at 30 or 40? Or why didn't it happen then? I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I'm 62. And I just think that, you know, in our day where there's all kinds of isms and ageism is alive and well, that um, a lot of times um, we just uh, look over our elders who have a lot of life experience that can just put it all out on the line. Because frankly, you know, what's there to lose? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, life is short and you have gifts and you have wisdom and boom, it's it's all there, all ready to go. Yeah. People ask me all the time, when are you going to retire? And I say, I don't know. I think this kind of ministry that fills you up will always be a part of my life. Mm-hmm. Just may look a bit different. Just might look a bit different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one more question, because I think this is really important. It, you're uh, a full contact kind of minister out there in community. You have talked about being filled up and having a, a lot of energy. I want to know, how do you take care of yourself? Hmm. Good question. Hmm. I had to learn balance and a lot about myself and what it means to be filled up a number of years ago when our daughter died because it was depleting Mm. and yeah, life taking, I guess I would say my husband and I have a love for a lot of things together. Uh, We love the lake. We love our camping spot on the lake. We love pouring ourselves into our grandchildren, going to their activities where he has, my husband has a love for woodworking. We find those uh, places and spaces that do fill us up and we work hard on that balance our prayer time, our devotion time, our uh, pouring ourselves into each other, taking time for ourselves wherever we find it and being intentional about that. Sometimes we just got to be very creative. You know, this Wednesday, I have a grandson in Fishers having a football game. I will drive down to watch the, the game and I will drive right back because it's just that important to me. It'll be a two hour drive down and it'll be a two hour drive back and I'll only be there two hours. So we have to find every bit of those places and spaces that we can be in the where we want to be that fill us up, that give mm-hmm. us joy, that help us, uh, you know, also be a part of our purpose. And so we we seek those out. We are very strategic about that, as well as being off the cuff, Holy Spirit moment people. We really work hard on what fills us up, what gives us joy, how we how we come together and really make the most of every moment of our day as best we can. Mm. That balance is so important. Being able to know what fills your tank is so important. Thank you for that. For people that are discerning, maybe stepping out in faith, focusing on people and not building, what words of advice or wisdom do you have for them? Have an open mind. Allow yourself for your mind, your heart, your ears to be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit will never lead us down the wrong path. Mm. And so if we are willing to open up to what could be, that will probably be different 
than what has been, it will be filling and fulfilling and a wild ride. I say to myself almost every day, Caroline, you have more days behind you than you do ahead of you. So man, let's make it count. Let's do some wild and crazy things. Let's say to the Holy Spirit, take me. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm saying this. Take me where you want me to go. And I have no (laughs) idea what that's going to look like. And afterwards, I'm going to go, this is the wildest ride (laughs) ever. Do some things you never thought you would do. Try it. Just be a part of the moment sometimes. Look at each and every moment and go, God, what do you want me to learn? Who do you want me to see? What do you want me to do? And you know what? Laugh at your mistakes afterwards. If you do something and you go, that was so dumb, but okay, I'm going to do something even weirder tomorrow. (laughs) It's okay. Put yourself out there and just let the spirit take you on a wild and crazy ride. I don't think we will regret any of it at all, at all. And I think we will be the most full we could ever be by allowing the Holy Spirit take us on a ride. But we just got be willing to say, okay, I'll go. All right. I'll step out of that boat because I know that you'll grab me and you have me and don't be afraid. Just open up to the spirit. Mm, I can understand why people are going on this wild ride with you, Carolyn Kern. What a, what a gift you are to this world. Can you give us a blessing as we end our conversation today? I would be happy to. Oh, gracious and loving God, I just thank you so much for life. Thank you that you are the life giver. You are the one that loves us, cares for us so much that you want us to be filled up. You want us to be excited. You want us to be passionate for people knowing you and loving you and serving you. That is where life is. So Lord, I pray that in the name of Jesus, that our eyes would be open, every one of us. Our eyes would be open, our ears would be attentive, that our hearts would be open and filled with your spirit, that every moment that we have our eyes open, we would want to be filled with your awe, we want to be filled with your beauty, that we would be just want to live the passionate life that you have given us. God, uh, we are so blessed to be called your children. You have given us everything we need to grow and build the kingdom. So Lord, may we be open to that. May we take that step out of the boat. May we be willing to walk on water because to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. So Lord, may we be, may we become every day the people that you want us to be all for your honor and all for your glory. Lord, thank you so much for loving us and calling us your children. And may we be about your mission and your ministry, just like your son, Jesus Christ. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carolyn. It was such a joy. Church is Changing Podcast is a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Music is by Sanjay Singh. Visit all our podcasts at podcast.umcdiscipleship.org.